Yo. Y'all know what that is. This is the Keith Battle Podcast. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Keith Battle Podcast. Hosted by me, Keith Battle. I'm so excited that you have linked in with us this week. And I trust that today's podcast is going to inspire and encourage you and move you to life-changing action. But before I introduce today's very special guest and tell you what we're going to talk about today, I want to let all of you who are married or will be married by Valentine's Day 2020 know about something very special that my wife Vicky and I are doing. We're going to have an effective love three-day marriage retreat. It'll be here in Washington, D.C. on February 14th through the 16th. And all the details and information can be found at sagacitycompany.com forward slash retreat. Sagacitycompany.com. Sagacity, S-A-G-A-C-I-T-Y. Company spelled out. .com forward slash retreat. And you'll have all the information you need. Well, today, I am honored to have with us Mrs. Nicole Lynn Lewis. Nicole is a CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Generation Hope, an organization which she founded in March 2010 to surround motivated teen parents and their children with mentors, with emotional support, and financial resources that they need to thrive in college and in kindergarten, respectively, thereby driving a two-generation solution to poverty. I love that. So what Nicole does is she and her team targets motivated teenage mothers, and then they help that mom get through college and helps the mom's daughter or son successfully navigate through their introduction to the early education process. And as I often say, your ministry can be your misery, I'm sorry, can become your ministry. Nicole herself was was a motivated teenage mom who worked hard to get into college after graduating from high school. In fact, Nicole enrolled as a full-time freshman at the College of William & Mary and brought along her three-month-old daughter with her. Four years later, she graduated with high honors and a bachelor's of arts degree. And in 2006, she earned a master of public policy degree from George Mason University. Nicole is an author and a speaker, and her epic work in this space has been featured on the Steve Harvey Show, amongst other places and publications. And we're so honored to have this Shiro with us today. Nicole, welcome to the Keith Battle Podcast. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that wonderful introduction, and I'm I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, that was a great introduction. That it was. was. Yeah. <laughs> you take me around with you, jobs for a small fee. I'll I know, my PR there person. There it is. I'm like Jamaican. I got like a hundred jobs. <laughs> no offense to all my Jamaican listeners. It's just it's a joke from the uh, from the Wayne show from years ago. <laughs> so, Nicole, one of the things that you personally experienced as a single mom while pursuing academic success and pursuing your career dream dreams was what you would describe as a lack of support. Mm-hmm. So, how did that serve as your inspiration to do what you're doing now? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's so much stigma around um, 
uh, teenage pregnancy and um, and a lot of uh, misconceptions around um, why, you know, how young people become pregnant and really what's going on in the lives of young people, period. Um, and what that does is it really translates into a, a lack of support. You know, the community and people and our systems, our education systems, for example, do not rally around young parents in the way that they really need to in order to ensure that their families start strong, that they're successful and that the, the next generation generation that their children are successful. And I definitely experienced that. I was an honor roll student um, when I got pregnant. I, I was in my senior year of high school. I had just been accepted into a, a bunch of different schools, uh, different colleges. And even though I was academically strong and, you know, was on the college track, people told me, I was going to be a failure, you know, because now I, I was going to be a mom. Um, and uh, it felt like the rug of support and, you know, all of the encouragement and resources were just kind of pulled out from under me, including, you know, social networks, my friends, um, you know, my relationships with my family really suffered. So it, 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 I definitely felt the lack of support. And when I went off to college with my daughter, Narissa, um, you know, that was, it was difficult. I was an anomaly on campus. No one else was on campus, um, particularly at a school like William and Mary, which is academically rigorous and, and prestigious. And, you know, I was the only person in my situation. So I was isolated in many ways, you know, emotionally, it was difficult financially. Um, and so I, I really had to navigate that experience on my own. It was really important to me in building this organization that from the start at the very core of what we do here at Generation Hope was this importance of resources and support that are really surrounding young families. That was really critical. That's great. You know, it reminds me of that, con that concept that is used in Hollywood a lot of times that he the hero's journey where you have this person who faces a crisis and then they go through this intense conflict and they become a hero because not only do they win and overcome the obstacles and the conflict, but then they come back to their community and maybe they go off somewhere and they win some kind of epic battle and then they come back to their circle or their community and then they teach the people and provide the tools that they gain from their experience. And that's that's what I see that you've done with Generation Hope. You're giving people what you didn't get. And I love it. Yeah. So with that in mind, can you tell us exactly how Generation Hope works? What, what is it that you all do from from my, my uh, one of my friends in the uh, interviewing and and um, entertainment business? Jamie Foster Brown calls it from soup to nuts. <laughs> so by the time you get to the restaurant you know, they offer you soup to the time they put nuts on the table when you're leaving. What, what is Generations Hope's soup to nuts services? Yeah. So when we started the organization, it was really looking at what are the two biggest obstacles for teen parents to get their college degrees. One is lack of emotional support and the other is lack of financial support. Um, so our program, our scholar program really seeks to build those supports back in. So each of the students in our program um, is receiving up to $2,400 a year in tuition assistance. They also have access to an emergency fund. So if there's a crisis, anything from my car broke 
down to um, having a domestic violence issue, we can um, provide monetary support to help them through that crisis to make sure that they're in a safe place and that they they and their child are safe and that they are continuing their courses. And that's really important because, you know, these are situations where, um, you know, someone could typically be derailed from, from staying in college. We're able to provide that financial support to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, we also collect tangible items twice a year. So anything from high chairs to gas cards to diapers, um, we collect those from the community. We give them to our students and that's really to ease the financial burdens of being a parenting student in college. Um, we also have the emotional support which I think all of our students will tell you is the most important and impactful part of our program. Uh, each of them are matched with a caring individual in the community. And, and ultimately the goal of that person and the role of that person is to be a cheerleader and someone who can be a listening ear and really um, provide that, you know, that encouragement. If you have a teething baby at two in the morning and a midterm the next day. Um, and that's really important for young parents because often, as I mentioned in my story, that social network can be ripped right out from under you. So having a, uh, healthy relationship with an adult in your life that's not about being judged. It's it's purely about being an encouragement is really important. Um, we have a fantastic uh, staff here as well, a program team that we call Hope Coaches. And each of our Hope Coaches have um, a group of students that they're working with along with their mentors to help them navigate life as well as the academic system. Um, and so they can do things like sometimes they will uh, go to the emergency room if a scholar has been in a domestic violence situation. Other times they might be proofreading an English paper, um, but they're really there to provide that that intensive support. Um, we do trainings throughout the year. We go on field trips that are always family friendly. We have an end of year conference. We have a whole free tutoring program. Um, we have uh, we're now launching career readiness programming, so we are helping our scholars not only go through college, but also get that first job out of college. And we also have um, mental health support. We have a licensed counselor on staff who can provide mental health support to both parent and child, um, which is really exciting. So that's our scholar program. And then our, our early childhood program, you mentioned we now also help our scholars' children get ready for kindergarten. We call that Next Generation Academy. Um, and that program has us coming into the home once a month, and we are doing developmental screenings and interventions with our scholars' children. We also do monthly dinners where scholars and their little ones get together in smaller geographic cohorts and work on parenting challenges together. Um, we help them identify high quality child care and help them pay for that. Um, so they are accessing that for their little ones. And then we also have an opportunity for families in the community to work and be matched with families in our program with the idea that, you know, if our scholar and their child have a need, uh, whether it's, you know, we'd like this child to be working with a reading specialist, that we can go to that family in the community, which we call resource families, and tap their network to see if they have someone who could work with that little one. So the idea is that, you know, families without um, tons of resources may not have someone within their network who could help when there is a need that that family has. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's tremendous. And I'm just impressed with how, how much you all do and how it's evolved over these last just uh, nine years. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, so how many, I guess my question is how many students or how many moms do you gen gen generally serve at the same time? Is there like a, 
you, you follow yeah. my question? Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. So, what's your number right now that you find yourself giving quality service? To? Yeah. So we serve about a hundred um, teen moms and dads uh, throughout the DC region each, each year. They're going to 20 different two and four year colleges in DC, Maryland and Virginia. Um, in our next generation program, we are doing a pilot. So we're incrementally growing that program each year. This year we have 30 children who are in that program. And then we also go out into the community and we do college readiness workshops on site anywhere where we can find young parents. So we have uh, partnerships with school districts. We go to homeless shelters, social service agencies, churches, anywhere where we can find young parents and we do college readiness workshops. And that is really planting the seed that, you know, you can go to college as a young parent because often when you get pregnant, people tell you that's not an option. So we're, we're really planting that seed that college is an option. And we reach between two and 300 um, young parents throughout the DC metro area annually through those workshops. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. So, so in order to get all of that done, do, do you have any partners that help you get done the work you're doing? Like who's, who's, who's on your team? Like who's coming alongside you to help you get this stuff done? Yeah. So we, I mean, first we have an amazing staff of 13 um, folks here on staff that, that really do this work boots on the ground every day and are just phenomenal. Um, And, and then secondly, we partner with nonprofits, social service agencies, schools, um, churches all over the region to also do this work. So for example, I mentioned our college readiness workshops, we partner and we go on site um, with these community groups to do these workshops. Um, We work with them as they refer students to us who may be, you know, about to graduate from high school who are parents. Um, But also when our scholars have a crisis, like if we have, um, you know, the the biggest crises that we see with our students are um, lack of childcare, um, homelessness, domestic violence, and mental health. And so we have to rely on other community partners that are focused on this issue um, or those issues so that we can refer to them as well. So if we have a scholar who's, you know, um, all of a sudden homeless and is trying to go to school and parent, um, we call on community partners that provide housing um, to make sure that that scholar and their child are in a safe situation. So it's really, we try to really be out in the community and creating those relationships. Great, great. And I want to encourage those of you who are listening right now and you've been looking for an organization to support and lend your hand and resources to, to check out Generation Hope and to really give some consideration and supporting them. So, Nicole, by the way, I'm talking to Nicole, Nicole Lewis. She's the CEO of Generation Hope, uh, an organization that provides um, uh, motivation, uh, help to motivate teen mothers and their children by providing resources to support their academic and life success. Uh, Nicole, how can people listening support Generation Hope financially? How can they help with their time? Are there opportunities for people who may be interested in helping? Yeah. I I mean, what I love about um, our organization is that there is something for everybody. Uh, We have um, opportunities for people to volunteer in various ways, individually, or to volunteer together as a group. Uh, For example, I mentioned tutoring. If people feel like, hey, I'm I'm really strong in a certain area um, and I want to tutor a young parent in college, we, we are 
are always looking for volunteer tutors, particularly in the STEM fields. Um, we have childcare that we provide at all of our events for our scholars. So we're always looking for childcare volunteers. If people love little ones, we have some adorable um, kids in our program and we're always looking for um, childcare volunteers. Again, you can do that as an individual or you can come in as a group and, and be a childcare volunteer. Uh, mentors, we are constantly recruiting for mentors to work um, with our students. So I mentioned we have individual mentoring opportunities where you can work one-on-one -on -one, uh, with a young parent in college, but we also have now through Next Generation Academy, the group mentoring opportunities. And that can include a, literally a nuclear family. It can be two parents and, you know, and kids. Um, so we really have something for everybody. We definitely have opportunities to give. Um, so, you know, any amount uh, makes a big deal, a big difference, you know, for our families. Um, we have opportunities to give tangible items. I mentioned our wish list. If you wanted to host a drive uh, for gas cards or diapers or wipes, in your office. Um, we totally would love to partner with you on that. Um, so there are a ton of ways uh, for people to get involved. I should also mention we have two big events every year. And I know people love events. Uh, so we have um, our pancake battle at Nats Park, which we're super excited about happening on November 17th, um, where we have local celebrities compete to make the best pancakes. And um, this year, it just so happens, it'll be at the home of our World Series champions. So um, we're really excited about that. That's 11 to um, to 1.30 on the 17th in DC. And then we have a big gala. Uh, so if people love galas and dressing up and coming out, out to a really inspirational evening. Our gala will be at the Washington Hilton on June 5th, and that's in D.C. Um, at 6 p.m. And it's uh, about 650 uh, attendees that come together from all over the region um, for a really inspirational night. So let's talk more about the gala this weekend. So this Sunday at, you said from 11 to 1.30, yes. the pink event. Tell, tell us a little more about that in case people are free yeah. to participate uh, in that this weekend. It's a super fun event um, and it's family friendly. We're going to have um, a delicious brunch. We will have face painting. We'll have stuff for the kids. Um, you'll get an inside peek at Nats Park, which is super exciting. Um, and again, you'll see we have... Um, uh, three local celebrities who are competing. So Dr. Darian Pollard, who is the president of Montgomery College, um, council member Hans Reamer from Montgomery County, and um, former Prince George's County Executive Rashern Baker are all going to be competing to make the best pancakes. And the proceeds go to fueling our work and making sure that we are uh, able to continue su to support young families who are thriving through education. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, one of the things you said earlier that kind of stuck with me is you said we, we're helping these moms uh, in a way without them feeling judgment. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of landed on that word and it just made so much sense to me because it seems to be so unfair that teen moms live under this weight of so much judgment. Like it's like it's like, OK, so. There are other, there's at least one other person involved in this pregnancy, right. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the, to have a stomach, you know, to have your stomach out when you're 14, 16, 17 years old and you're carrying a baby, like, what's that like? You, you were in that situation. I mean, I've never been a girl. I don't know what that's like. I've never been a teen dad either. Like, can you, 
can you explain like what that feels like or like maybe even the unspoken, the looks, the what to take, take us through that, what it's like to be in that situation mm-hmm. for the person. Cause, cause you just said that. I don't, I don't know if you, it, it's kind of, I don't know if that's in the curriculum, but you just said, you literally said we do this work without judgment. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. definitely a part. Um, we have core values that we have here at Generation Hope. And, and one of our core values is acceptance. Um, because, uh, stigma and judgment is, is a huge problem for young families and for young parents. Um, you know, I was just having a conversation the other day and I was, I was likening, um, the experience of being a teen mother to, um, the story around the scarlet letter. Um, and you know, you, you could not hide it, uh, the way that other people are able to perhaps hide the things that they have done or that they don't want others to see. Um, when you're a young woman, you become pregnant. There is no hiding your pregnancy. There's, there's no hiding your age. Um, and once your child is born, uh, you know, people, that stigma and that judgment, um, follows you. It's almost like having a target on your back. And so, um, and it's powerful. It is, it's powerful and so powerful that sometimes it causes you to drop out of school, out of high school. Um, it causes you to uh, perhaps not pursue your, your education beyond high school. Um, you lose friends, you lose um, support. People automatically assume things about you in terms of where you, you could go, what you could be. Um, and we even had um, Congresswoman Johanna Hayes, who is from Connecticut. She was a gala speaker, a keynote at our gala a few years back before she um, uh, um, became a congresswoman. Uh, and she, I had found her because she was National Teacher of the Year and had been honored at the White House and, um, and talked about being a teen mom in her interview. And I reached out to her and invited her to come down to speak at our gala, and she did. And she literally was crying on stage um, because she said that the shame that she felt um, was still so intense. And by this time, you know, she, I think was in her forties or, um, uh, or maybe even approaching 50. Um, so, you know, when you think about how far removed she was from being a teen mom and actually, you know, being in that place, but it was very real for her. And she talked about meeting a woman who was 70, um, who, who broke into tears talking about the stigma and the shame. So it follows you. It, it, it is something that, um, that is so powerful that it it is not something that goes away. You know, once you hit your 20s and 30s or, you know, your child gets to be a certain age, um, you feel it and it has a huge impact and influence on your life. And so a, a lot of what I talk to my staff about what I see my role is, is really helping to educate people uh, about um, that, that, you know, what does that stigma and that judgment do? And in reality, it does nothing. It's not productive. Um, it doesn't create real, you know, um, positive benefits for that young family. And what we know in terms of effectiveness in preventing teen pregnancy is that it, the scare tactics and, and the judgment is not even effective in terms of preventing teen pregnancy. So, you know, I think part of my role is to really go out and help people better understand um, what it feels like to be in that situation and to understand what are the real ways that we can, we can encourage and support people who are in this situation. Yeah, that's that's great, Nicole. I appreciate it. Again, we're talking to Nicole Lynn Lewis, the CEO of Generation Hope, where they're offering hope and assistance for motivated teen mothers and their children. 
And, you know, obviously I don't want to, I don't want to get it confused. I'm, I'm not just a podcast host. I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian unashamedly in those spaces. So I do kind of govern my life from a faith space. And I, I know that there's some inherent error involved in teenage sexual behavior period. Right. So we're kind of taught in our, in our belief system that you're supposed, you're supposed to be married before you have sex. And I get that. But when somebody has made a, has, has failed or sinned, which is all of us, that's the thing, right? This is, but this is that, that thing that you can't hide. And I think shame, as you look at it from the first time we see shame in human history is in the book of Genesis in chapter three. And we see what our foreparents did when they were ashamed. God's looking for Adam and Eve and they're hiding in the bushes. And God says, what's going on? And he said, we heard your voice. We were afraid. We were naked and we were ashamed. And I think shame just makes you hide. You live a life. You're hit. You even hide what you're what you're ashamed of. And it's. It's pretty sad, but love makes you come out. Love, when you know you're loved and accepted, you can you can come out and confess or come out and say, this is who I am. And so I agree with you wholeheartedly. Shame is very, very unproductive, but it comes from a place of judgment. And I would just hope that all of us would be very conscious of the way we look at, view, talk to, and communicate with, with people who are young mothers who are not married. Can I just, Um, I'll just, I wanted to just also point out kind of to your point, but also just encouraging us to kind of think about this even more. You know, we have scholars in our program who are married. um, And, you know, I think we assume, um, and of course the vast majority of young parents are not, so that's a, a fair assumption, but there are also young parents out there who are married and who still face the same stigma. Um, you know, when they go to the grocery store, uh, you know, people are making judgments about them and, and thinking certain things because of their age and because they have a child. So, you know, it's, it, it goes beyond, I think sometimes we make these, you know, quick judgments about people um, without knowing their situations. You know, we just look at them again. It's that scarlet letter. It's that thing you can't hide. People do not, we do not know people's journeys. We do not know their stories. Um, I often tell people too that, you know, pregnancy is usually the symptom of larger issues in a young person's life that existed long before they, you know, got pregnant or were even sexually active. We have young people in our program who spent the majority of their lives in foster care, um, who were in abusive homes, uh, who have, you know, immigrated to this country and have faced traumatic experiences and atrocities. So um, it's, I would just encourage people to, um, to, you know, reserve judgment and to really understand that so many people have so many different journeys and that young people are up against incredible challenges and and just trying to understand more and be, and, and really exercise empathy. Yeah, I like that. We need to, we need to, before we look down, get the background. Exactly. I'm, I'm rhyming like Jesse. I know Jesse. you're good. You're really good at those. <laughs> so Nicole, with all the things you're doing, you you still found a time at this at this point in your life to be a wife. You're now a mother. Now, how many children do you have? Uh, four. You have four kids. You're running your own nonprofit, and you've written two books. Yes. So tell us tell us the name of your books and what they're about. Uh, so. Um, 
I have two books. Glory is my first book, and that's really um, a memoir. It's, it's kind of telling my story of um, my journey of becoming pregnant and putting myself through college. Uh, the second book is called the, the Gloriously Simple Guide to Getting What You Want. I had a lot of people who read the first book and said, how did you do it? And kind of how do you approach challenges? And so I, I try to lay it out in a pretty simple way. Um, but I'm actually working on a new book um, that will um, kind of revamp Glory and um, and really go deeper into the story and take us up to present day in terms of how do you take like exactly what you said? How do you take your challenges and build an entire organization and, and, and try to um, kind of push a movement forward? And so I'm really excited about that. I'm working on it now and um, I'm hoping that it will be out uh, next spring. So, of course, my question is, you know, you know, some people are probably wondering, well, how do you do all of that? (laughs) You know, you got all of these responsibilities. You're a mother of four. You got your own company you're running. You're a wife and you've got all these things. What, what, how are you getting this done? What is your, uh, for the mothers and non-mothers and fathers out there listening right now, they want to know how do you manage your schedule in a way? It allows you to take care of all of your responsibilities and get these things done. Like, what is your time management or priority process? Yes. How do you? Yeah. Do that? No, it's a great question. Um, I think my the one word that I would use is intentionality. Um, and you know, when I first started Generation Hope, when, when you're in, and you can probably 100% relate to this growing Zion. Um, I wasn't great at being intentional with my time. And it was very easy for um, me to be out of the house five nights a week or to look up and, you know, when's the last time I had a good quality conversation with my husband. And um, and he was really good at saying like, hey, <laughs> you know, like uh, mm-hmm. this isn't working. And so um, like I put boundaries. Like I don't want to be out of the house more than two nights a week. Um, I, uh, I'm very intentional with my time. So when I'm home, I try to be really present with my kids and with my husband. Um, I put them on the bus in the morning and I get them off the bus in the afternoon. And that's because I've rearranged my schedule in such a way that I can do that. Um, I've built an organization and I think this is really key. That is, um, is all about family. And so I have, we have policies and procedures in place here at Generation Hope that allow staff, including myself, to be present and to be, um, you know, involved with their loved ones in the ways that they want to be. And so I think that's a core value of who we are. And, and that has been very intentional. But, you know, every day, and I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine, I was saying to her that, like, every day, if my kids feel loved, and safe, then I'm winning as a mom. And I think sometimes we put so much more on us than we need to. Um, and that would go for my husband too. If it, you know, if, if he knows that he's loved and that I've got his back, then that, then I'm winning as a wife. And that's what I try to remind myself. I may not make, you know, uh, pancakes and bacon and eggs every morning before they go to school, but they know they're loved, they're fed, they're taken care of, they know they're safe. And I have spent quality time with them. And that to me is, is the, that's where I try to be really intentional. Man, who needs pancakes, bacon and eggs when you got Chick-fil-A? And almost every <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Is all love, right? So, um, I, I want to talk about this book 
Well, no, before I talk about the book, let's talk about this. So, so your, your daughter, yes. who you had you were pregnant with as a teenager, how old is she? How old is Narissa she is 20 years old now. 20. So you have a 20 year old daughter and how old are your other three kids and whether they're gender? Uh, Naya is, uh, uh, she's 10 and she's also a girl. So my two oldest are girls and my two youngest are boys. Uh, Tay Tay or Dante Jr. is three and Drew is 16 months. Oh, uh, yeah. Y'all still rolling. God bless y'all. <laughs> don't just stay away from us. Amen. Just stay away from us. But now, here's the deal. You've, having been a single mom, is it natural for you to be kind of overly protective of your daughters? You know, like, in other words, like, so that they won't end up in this situation or do you have any advice for that? Like, let's say there's a mom listening who happens to have been a single mom. Is there any single mom advice for raising daughters mm. that uh, I don't even know if that makes sense? Yeah, but. no, I think that's real. Um, and I mean, and the statistics do show that if you had, if you were a teen mother, your your child has a, a higher likelihood of, of um, experiencing a teen pregnancy. So that's real. Um I think for me, uh, one of the biggest factors in my becoming pregnant young was my home life. I, I had an economically stable home. We were a middle class family. So I, I wasn't I didn't grow up in poverty. Um, but the emotional stability of my family was um, kind of like a roller coaster. And so that understanding that um, helped me go into raising Narissa with with a real sense of it was so important to me that she had a secure emotionally secure home and that i had a really good relationship with her um and that was really important to me that we spent time together that we had healthy communication that she knew she could come to me and talk to me about anything um which sometimes as a parent is scary um you know in terms of what they bring to you and you don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction um so that was that to me was really important and it was a fear, you know, I didn't want her to have the same experiences that I did. Um, and so that was what I led with, though, and, and just making sure that, again, that she felt loved, that she felt safe, that she felt like she could come to me and talk to me about anything that we had a close and healthy relationship. And, you know, I would say too, you know, that has implications for the choices that you make as a parent and as a single mom. When Dante, my husband and I, first started dating, I didn't let him even meet Narissa until we had been together six months. Um, mm. And that was because, I, again, I was going to be very careful about who I brought into her life and um, the type of person as well as, you know, the likelihood of that person sticking around. Um, and so I think, you know, it has implications for every single decision that you make as a single as a single mother. Um, and sometimes those situations and those decisions aren't always like, you know, you may want to spend time together, all three of you, but, but you have to put that off, for example. So that's, that's what worked for me. Got it. Good, good, good advice there. I like that. Not introducing your child or letting your intended or the person you're dating meet the child. I think that's very wise. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your recent book. You're not the one you're working on now, but the, the simple guide, the glorious simple guide to getting what you want. For, for those of us 
who are pulling our hair out and losing sleep trying to get what we really want out of life, please give us this glorious, simple way of getting there. What do we need to know? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, similarly, it it kind of builds on what I was just talking about. I think, one, I think we make it more complex than it needs to be. That's one thing. Um, I think it has a lot to do with uh, clarity about what you want to achieve, um, making sure it's not something that others want you to achieve, you know, making sure it's your dream and your goal, um, making sure you're preparing yourself for that goal. Uh, I think sometimes our frustrations come when we're, um, you know, we're, we want something, but we're not ready for it. And I know you've preached on this, um, you know, really making sure that we're preparing ourselves for what we're working towards. I talk about a lot, the focus that we have on the big grandiose goals, as opposed to all of the small milestones that need to be celebrated in order to get to that big grandiose goal. Um, you know, when I was building Generation Hope, you know, I was, tr- I was just as excited about the little things as I was about the prospect of the big things. You know, I, we started in, in Dante's man cave. <laughs> um, and I, of course was excited about having an office one day. Uh, but that was so far out that I had to concentrate on just getting us the initial space, just getting out of the man cave, you know? And so I think sometimes we get so wrapped up and excited about the big grandiose goals when we have to also be just as excited about the milestones, the smaller things, the smaller accomplishments that we need to achieve to get there. Um, I think celebrating is big, you know, when you do achieve those smaller things, taking the time to celebrate those things, taking the time to, to just look at where you are and how far you've come. You know, sometimes we get so focused on the big goals and we can get, um, really, you know, uh, derailed. We can get distraught because we're not getting there as quickly as we want to. And that's because we're not always taking stock of how far we have come. Um, so things like that, I think, again, you know, sometimes it feels so big and so complex, but it's really about having clarity. It's about asking yourself the right questions along the way and really being grateful, um, I think, for uh, every single step and celebrating every single step. Awesome. 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 Nicole, one, one of your burdens or concerns that we talked about even before today's interview was how can you connect with or reach out to and support team fathers, yes. which I think is very important because I don't know why, but when, whenever I think of a team parent, and I'm sure this is true of most of us, when you hear the word team parent, the male parent almost never comes yes. to mind. Absolutely. And yet, that baby, that, that's somebody's father. Right. <laughs> Whether anybody, he, he may be invisible. In fact, I, I, maybe the most invisible person in the world is the American teen dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to me about this very difficult issue and what you guys at Generation Hope are trying to do to or working to do to work with this issue. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something, I mean, we have always been open to teen fathers since our inception and we really believe wholeheartedly in the importance of supporting the educational pursuits of young dads. And we also understand the important role that fathers play in their children's lives. So this is really, it's my passion and it's a passion of the organization. Um, We do have fathers who have come through our program. We have a a father who's in our program now and, and really they fly in the face 
face of the stereotypes that we often have of teen dads as, you know, not being involved, not caring. Um, they are just so committed to their children, so committed to their education. So we want more, you know, we really want to increase those numbers. Um, and so I think, you know, this speaks to like all of our work, um, you know, this particular issue speaks to larger systemic issues um, that we're dealing with as a country. Um, so this particular issue has to do with um, if people have heard of My Brother's Keeper, for example, which was started under President Obama and really was about the lack of programming for young men of color. Um, and that's a real issue. It's a real problem. And so it's harder for us to find um, teen dads in the ways that we find teen moms because there's a real lack of programming for young men of color and teen dads. And so um, we've had to get really creative. Um, so one of the things that we're doing is trying to, you know, work with churches. We, we've been having conversations with Zion about how can we um, partner to reach more young men who who may be parenting. Um, we're exploring, you know, there, there's a whole movement around um, returning citizens. So um, men who are coming out of incarceration and trying to find ways that we can help them, perhaps with their interests in their education and their parenting. Um, and so, yeah, we, we want to, we, we've worked with different organizations, but we really want to put it out there to your listeners, to the larger community. Um, if there are ways that we can partner with groups that are existing, um, we'd love to talk to you and figure out if, if there are ways that we can reach your fathers and get them into school and into our programming. Awesome. Awesome. So those of you who are listening, well, let me just say this. If someone's listening right now and they know, of someone that they believe to be a motivated teen mom or a motivated teen dad. And by the way, um, some people might, you know, question that, that adjective mm. in front of mom or dad, but, and I think I know exactly what you mean by it, Nicole. Um, it, to me, it, it works in every environment. If there's no motivation, you, you, you know, you're, you're working uphill um, and you can't really, and the services are being missed on people who are ready for it. But but what are your thoughts about that? If somebody says, what do you mean by motivated and why is that so important? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. You know, one thing I think is um, what I would say is, refer them to us and we will assess their motivation. <laughs> um, and the reason yeah, I, I say that is because, again, it's hard to know, um, you know, if someone is really motivated, it's not something you can easily assess just by looking at them or their decisions. We have developed a rubric um, and a screening process that gets to just that, you know, how motivated are they? And sometimes what you see on the surface is not always going to tell you, for example, GPA alone, you know, is not going to tell you if a student is motivated. There are lots of things that could cause a GPA to dip. Um, a housing crisis, uh, abuse, a pregnancy. So um, I would say if you know a teen mom or a teen dad uh, that is 25 or younger, um, so they, they can be out of school a couple years, um, they can have gotten their GED or their high school diploma. Um, we just define teen parent as having been pregnant or having had a child at 19 or younger, um, then I would refer them, refer them to us, um, have them, you know, encourage them to apply to our program. And then through our process, we'll be able to assess if they're ready for being in our program and being in college. And they can do that by just going to your website? Yeah, so they can go to support 
generationhope.org. Um, and our application cycle opens December 1st and it closes April 1st. So um, our application will be open and ready for people to fill out on December 1st. Great, great. Again, that's supportgenerationhope.org. You know, I think it's interesting because some people who appear to, to lack motivation are really just are really just discouraged. Mm, absolutely. And the word courage is a very important word, right? So courage is that thing, is that oomph, is that drive to keep going in the in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm. And so when people are encouraged, that means they have been given courage, mm-hmm. right? But if a person is discouraged, and I know this is simple semantics, but if a person is discouraged, that means they are literally without courage. Absolutely. They, and you don't, you, you're not born without it. Like you're, you're kind of born. Like when I say you're not born without, it, you're not born discouraged. You, 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 you become discouraged, right. or you become encouraged, and running up against walls and and obstacles and having periods of failure or disappointment or a lack of support, all those things can place you in a place where you're terribly discouraged and it can, it can, it can manifest as a person who is motive, who's lacked motivation, but just hasn't gotten into a place that would encourage them, Absolutely. you know, to find hope. So thank you for generation hope, which by its very connotation is giving the courage back to people or, or, or let's say re-encouraging and further encouraging people who already display the courage to keep going in spite of their challenges. Thank you. So, Nicole, one of the things, one of the groups, so what I would call a group of unsung heroes in this teen pregnancy space or this single mom space or single dad space or uh, grandparents, mm. you know, in that category. And so... You know, sometimes when we're trying to raise and support our other children or we're trying to transition into other phases of our lives, we find ourselves in a position where we need to provide support for this single Mm. parent in our single mom. Mm -hmm. Usually, Now, I will say that those grandbabies are special, (laughs) especially that that does make it easier. Right. right? The first grandbaby, you know, it does something to your heart. It kind of messes you up as a grandparent. But. My guess is, and I haven't experienced this, but if they keep coming outside of a stable marital relationship, it gets a little old Mm. after a while. So anyway, my question is to you, how much work have you seen in your Generation Hope space um, grandparents doing or how involved do you see grandparents in these situations? You know, we have some uh, really involved grandparents. We have grandparents who are providing daycare you know, free, they may be in a situation where they're not working or they work in the evening so they can watch the child during the day when the student goes to, to work or to school. Um, so we definitely have some grandparents that are wonderful and very involved and critical uh, to the success of their, their child and their grandchild. Uh, but we also have um, a lot of students who don't have uh, great relationships with, you know, their parents or their parents don't have the um, financial capacity uh, to 
be able to provide any sort of, you know, support. Um, I mentioned we have some students who have come out of foster care and, you know, different situations. We have students in our program who, um, you know, has have parents who are incarcerated. So we really see um, the full spectrum of kind of family relationships and family support. But we absolutely have um, some grandparents that are very involved and really critical um, to their to their child success. Well, that's that's good to know. So bravo to all of us grandparents out there. <laughs> yeah. our and who knew we would be back on the playground pushing exactly. swings and, and sitting in the, 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 the uh, Chick-fil-A playground and all that stuff. It's really, uh, really, that wasn't expected all the time, especially so fast. Yes. You know, you kind of expect, you expect a wedding first, yes. right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I used to think in my mind, I hope I'm made of an in-law before a grandparent, but you know, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. And that's cool. We're excited. I'm, I know I'm grateful for the gift that we have in a granddaughter that we she's have. Beautiful. Um, yeah, she is. She's amazing. So, so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. And I, I've never done this on my podcast, but I, I feel, you know, as, as the church focus, I feel led to do this. So if you're listening, Nicole said earlier, you can support Generation Hope financially. And any of you listening to me, I don't think in any episode I've ever uh, encouraged anybody to give a donation to any to any organization that I can remember. But I want to encourage you to consider doing that. Because what I, like, I like what you said, Nicole. It's not, you know, some people think when it's a, it's a work that's this massive, a hundred parents in a year, that man, my little gift can't help. But with, 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 you know, a lot of little gifts can Absolutely. help. <laughs> you know? um, and so, you know, I think President Obama, uh, they had a campaign where they just, tra- they got a million people to give $25. Right. So you may not have a $25 million donor, but you can have $25 million worth of donors. So what I would like for our listeners to do to make it simple, does Generation Hope have a cash app? You know what? We don't have a cash app. Oh, I man. Know. I so mean, my, I have my personal cash no. app, but I, <laughs> I, I, we don't have no. one for Generation Hope. That's a really great question. Okay. We all need I to get know. a cash app because... That's that's my consultation. That's my free consultation <laughs> to y'all. So 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 because what you want to do is you always in this generation because most of the people listening to my podcast are millennials or young or people under yeah. fifty. And those of us, we like simplicity. Now we're gonna give a little money, but you know we want to be able to go to our phone, boom boom boom, and then going back to the to to going on social media or whatever yep. we were doing. So. What's the easiest way of giving to Generation we, Hope? I would say What's go the, to our website, supportgenerationhope.org, and click donate. And and it will, okay. it, I promise you, there is a mobile interface. So you'll be able to uh, do it easily from your Hold phone. On, Nicole. And uh, any amount. And you can also set up You're monthly recurring amounts. So, for example, we have a donor. Who, you went out. You went out. So you said go to Generation Hope. Go to, support Generation go Hope. Go to gener- supportgenerationhope.org. Click on donate. And it's an easy mobile way. You can do it right from your phone. It's not going to take you to some wonky 
desktop version. Um, you can do it right from your mobile phone and you can even set up um, monthly recurring donations. So for example, we have a donor who gives $10 every month. Um, it's a recurring donation. So it, that's another way like people might think, oh, I have to give $500 one time. You could set it up so it's a small amount every month, but at the end of the year, you know, you've given $120. Um, but you can do all of that easily. Go to supportgenerationhope.org and click donate. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And then we're going to work on that Generation Hope I'm gonna, Cash app. As soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to talk to my staff and say, Pastor Battle told us to get this going. Yeah, yeah, because I could have had everybody cash out <laughs> really quick. Now, in case somebody wants to, they still want to do a cash app and they want to gift you knowing that as they gift you, they're trusting that as the CEO, course, yes. that those gifts will be will be migrated to Generation Hope. If someone wants to cash app you directly, instead of going to the website, um, what what would how would they cash app? They you? would do N Lynn Lewis. Just the letter so N, capital N, and I'm checking this on my phone. Yeah, make sure you got a picture on there and everything. That people can, I'm making listen. sure everybody listening may not. I'm be making legit, sure right? I'm legit and giving everybody the right information. Okay, okay, it's N. It's a capital N, capital L. So Lynn, L Y N N, capital L Lewis, L E W I S. So N Lynn Lewis. Got it. And we'll make sure that um. We'll send uh, the um, receipts so everybody has receipts for those donations and and all of that. Okay, I'm trying it now. N L Y N N. Is L capital yes. So capital N, capital L, Y N N, capital L E W I S. Okay. Got it. It's an orange circle. You need to put get a picture there so people I'm know it's really useful. Right somebody now. So I'm going to send a, a just a small tester. And if you guys are are listening, um, hit her up. Uh, support the organization. How can people uh, follow you? Connect with you. Um, besides this event coming up this Sunday, y'all. At Nat Stadium, World Series champion, World Champ Nats. Um, how can people keep up with what's going on? Yeah, with you we're guys? on on social media, so we're on Twitter. Support Gen Hope, so S U P P O R T G E N Hope. Um, we are on uh, Instagram under the same, and then we're on Facebook. Support Generation Hope. Um, so that's all of our social media. We're also on LinkedIn. If you just uh, look up Generation Hope. And then I am at Twitter and Instagram at Nicole Lynn Lewis. So super easy. It's just my full name. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Nicole, thanks so much for being here. One last question. How can people get your book, your books? Any way people can access your yeah, book? We're, um, they're on Amazon. Um, and you can also go to my website, uh, which is NicoleLynnLewis.com. All right. All right. Thank you, Nicole, for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Um, wishing you all the best this year, the rest of this year and next year with your organization and the people you're trying to help. Thank you for turning your pain into your oh, purpose. Thank you so much. Thank you. for 
Yeah, thank you for not just getting through it, but helping pull others through it. I think that's that's what it's about. That's what I'm doing in my life. I'm turning my failures. You know, I have to. You have to stay into a place of of. You have to stay at a low place. Like if God brings you through something and over something, then reach back, help somebody else get through it and over it, and and that's what it's about. So thank you for doing that. Thanks for being here, and I want to thank everybody who's been listening today. Please share this link with somebody. Spread this message. Reach out to Generation Hope. Cash app for y'all. In Lynn yes. Lewis. Or go to the website. Reach out to him. Hit him up. She's a sister, African American woman, running her own nonprofit and doing great work. Let's stand with her. Let's support Thank her. You. All right. We'll get you right back here next time. Right here on the Keith Battle Podcast.